Welcome to episode 9 of The Story Studio with your hosts Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to The Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, authorpreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and I'm joined today by... Luke Condor. And... <laughs> and Ian McEwen. There we go. I think we're going to freak people out by, by switching that and flipping it about a bit, but... You, welcome, welcome. How did you find it, Dan? Was it nerve wracking? Did you did you get through it? Okay. I think I did all right. I think uh, yeah, I think we're there. My uh, how was my face? It was pretty. Uh, it kind of buffered a bit for me, so it was pretty stationary. <laughs> oh, no, you looked that like was, you were in the zone. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's full focus mode. That's knowing what what you got to say and just getting it out there. <laughs> we we missed the trick. We probably should have got Ian to to have a go at the intro, being a a, a voice guy. Oh God, I don't know. Ah, that 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 would be a tall order to say all of that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and wordy. We throw it out there as quick as we can just so it's you know, no, it's like the to... it's like the fine print at the end of like a prescription commercial, like may cause <laughs> uncontrollable falling down syndrome. Yeah. Terms of conditions apply. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how are we doing guys? How's how's the writing? How's the speaking? Good. I'm just uh, prepping to do another other story, one of Luke's own about time travel, and it's a uh, it's a hilarious one. <laughs> I like immediately was, fell in love with the characters, so I'm going to have a lot of fun recording it today. Amazing. So just to throw it out there for those who don't know, Ian McEwen is one of our regular narrators on the Other Story podcast, and so yeah, he's working on on one of our stories at the minute, or one of Luke's stories. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Dan, how's the writing? Have you been doing much writing this week? Or have you been more reading and proofing and stuff? More more reading and proofing um, and going over a couple of the, well, the whole story of, of Lazarus at the minute. Um, so yeah, probably I'm missing writing a bit because I, I really haven't written anything substantial apart from a couple of blogs on, on Steam it, which, are, which are doing all right. But yeah, yeah it's a it's, it's steady week. How about you, Luke? Yeah, I've just been planning. We're going to be doing our other story writer fun. Where we're going to be writing yes. um, five short stories in seven days, and whoa, <laughs> I've just been. I wanted seven, but I wasn't allowed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm. I know that those seven days are going to be pretty hectic, so I'm just enjoying this like pre-planning stage and just taking my time with it. I even had a bit of a lie in today. I got up at half six instead of half five because I just thought wow. this is going to be the last day I'm going. I'm going to be getting up early. For the rest of this week, so yeah. enjoy your while. That while is it's early. Nice. I can't even. I I don't think my brain would be functioning that early. What What's your get up time? Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> um, usually, I mean, when I'm just narrating, like I've been doing for the last three months, it's been like get up at ten, start narrating at eleven, and narrate until my voice is absolutely fried, and then edit until my brain is absolutely fried, and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> Ugh. Sounds good. I can't remember the last time I got up at ten. 
Yeah, I'm not a morning person. I'm I'm a total night owl, which is why you guys wake up to like messages from God only knows what hour in the morning over in yeah. the UK. <laughs> but yeah, I think we we timed the writerathon badly. <laughs> in all honesty, I think it's going to be a fun week. It's going to be a hard week, but yeah, because we've got um Lincoln on the Saturday, and obviously we've put for the writerathon to start on Sunday. So the last two days of the writerathon are pretty much going to be a no-show. I don't know if you've factored that into your plans, Luke. I, I've got it in my diary that we're starting to, the writerathon tomorrow. Have well, I let's start it tomorrow. No, no, let's start it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> because I've, I've got it that we finish and then we're at Lincoln, Lincoln the day after. Okay, but that would work out a lot have, better. So I might have that wrong. Well, we can move it. Rut roll. Yeah, we can move it. But yeah, should we dive into our big whoops? Oh, what a big whoop. Yeah, sure. Have uh, you got a big whoop, Ian? You guys go first. <laughs> uh, you, you do the honors this week. Okay, so I uh, watched a documentary, uh, like a docudrama series this, this past <laughs> week. <laughs> I love it's, documentaries. It's um, it's called The Jinx. I don't know if you have you heard about it. Do you know much about it? No. So it's, it's about this guy called Robert Durst. Um, he's so there's five families in New York with the richest families in New York or something, and when they've got like a, a son called Robert Durst in the 80s, his wife went missing, um, and then one of his best friends got shot and killed. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know what happened to the body. And then recently, he was arrested for <laughs> renting an apartment as a woman, he dressed up as a woman and, and rented as a woman, and um, killing his neighbor dismembering the body and, and throwing it into the sea so it's just Sounds start- like one of your uh, stories <laughs> it does, <yeah. laughs> so it starts from there and then you quickly realize that this guy is absolutely he's, he's kind of charming like you he, he wins you over throughout throughout the series but you're like constantly thinking this guy is he's definitely done it he's definitely done these like terrible things but you yeah. kind of like him and then the last episode I don't know how ethical this is because they're interviewing him like in the present day throughout the series while they're doing this this like backstory, and I think he must have some sort of psychopathic tendencies there because it's almost like he he's challenging them to find him out to be caught out, and then in the last episode during one of the interviews they they have some evidence that's not been found before it's not been admitted into into any court or anything like that, and then they. They present it to him there and then while they're interviewing him, and then he has no, he can't. He's like backed into a corner, but then he walks away. And he doesn't realize his mic's still on, and those last scenes when he's talking to himself are like so eerie. He like he seems he lets out so much of his. Maybe he's like schizophrenic or something because it's different personality. He's like arguing with himself as he walks away. He's doing different voices. It's. And the music is it's amazing. Like it's that worth it. Terrifying. It's called the Jinx. The Jinx, yeah, because like the idea is that he's a Jinx. Everyone he knows seems to die or like he had seven dogs and they all went missing mysteriously. No one knows what happened to him. His brother is terrified of him, has like restraining orders against him and stuff and uh, but his brother's also extremely wealthy. Like they're both really, really wealthy. So if um if Robert goes anywhere near him, like there's all these like secret service type people following him around all the time and it, it's just it's such a weird such a weird life that the guy has. It sounds like a psychological version of Bronson. I haven't haven't seen it's Bronson. Have but... you not? That that yeah, that's I know obviously it's a Tom Hardy adaptation of the film, yeah. but he's pretty mental in that and there are some strange 
sort of eerie scenes in there, but yeah, sounds Tom like Hardy's really person. good at playing crazy. Yeah, he is. Yes. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. so he's just psycho. Have you, <laughs> Every movie. Have you seen uh the the, the Cray twins? Well, I can't remember what it's called now. Yes, but it's I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Legends. Legend. I really enjoyed it. It's cool to see him play such two. I mean, they're they're identical. They were identical twins, but they seemed like such. I don't know how much of it was true exactly, but the personalities are just that you couldn't get farther away from each other. And he yeah. does such an amazing job. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Hardy's great. Um, but I'd recommend the Jinx just for those last ten minutes. They're like so good. And like, I've how many? Some... Is it just one big documentary? It's not. No, episode. it's uh, six episodes. Okay. Um, about an hour long or so. But um, if, if you want to, was that on telly or Netflix or? It's on Netflix, and it's um just. If for an inspiration for a character, like he's definitely one of them. He's definitely up there. That's awesome. Can we use him? We can use him. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, cool. Um, my Character book, study. Yes, 100%. <laughs> my big book this week is um, a selfish one, as a lot of mine are, but me and Luke have finished our first drafts of our project, which is oh, just fantastic. just feels good to um, have that first draft behind us and get that down. So we've got two books now that are set currently 70,000 words um, that are different to what we originally planned. But, I mean, I think we're happy with them. Are you happy with yours? Yeah, it needs a lot of tweaking in the the last act of the rewrite, but I think the story that it went for in the end is a lot stronger than what yeah. we originally planned. Which is cool, and yeah, it'll be the more I'm thinking about the first draft now, and like I said earlier, I'm going back and reading through it. There are parts I'm picking out now where I can definitely see patterns and things that might need to change, and just bits that we can work through. And so, me and Luke, as of next week, we'll be swapping over. The draft because we're going to have another read through and just have a quick look and add notes where we need to, and then we'll crack on with a second draft and get that in motion. So, yeah, yeah exciting stuff. Yeah, and looking cool. at covers is fun. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking I might shave now because I haven't. I don't know if you noticed, my <laughs> beard is pretty pretty wild. It's only because it's pretty I, righteous. Yeah, I it's a good beard. I don't I don't trim at all when I'm writing the novel. I just like to let it grow. So maybe I'll. Well, how poetic. Well, yeah, or you can keep it until the end and then just, you know, yeah. go full gimli. Every word I edit, I just <laughs> snip another, another little hair. You never go, yeah. full, you never go full gimli. You never, never go, go full, full gimli. gimli. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Ian? What's your big whoop? Uh, well, I have a selfish one, but I'd rather do a, a, a plug for something else that I just saw. There's a, a new musical called Come From Away. And it's uh, playing, it's over here in the U.S., sadly. You guys can't go see it yet. But hopefully it'll take a trip over to the West End or something. Um, It's about, on 9-11, there were over 200-some flights diverted as the airspace over the U.S. was closed. There was a small town in Newfoundland called Gander, where 38 of those planes were diverted to. So this town had a population of something like 7,000 people. And overnight, literally overnight, the population jumped by 9,000 because of all the people on those planes. So this musical is the story of this town coping with this huge influx of people. And, you know, the, the planes didn't just land and get to take off again. They were there for four or five days. So they had to feed them. They had to house them. The planes had animals on them that had had to be cared for. 
So it's about the people of the town coping with this crisis and all the people on the flights sort of being taken out of the world without any, without having plans to be in this small town, not knowing, you know, if their families in New York or DC are safe and just coping with that experience from all sides. It's, um, an amazing piece. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen in a theater. The music is Celtic inspired and there's a huge jam session after the curtain call at the end where the whole audience just was standing up and clapping along with the band. And one of the cool things about it was that the cast is like 10 actors. So they each play around five different characters. So it's just like the performing, the the music, the story was positively riveting. It sounds quite like a serious topic for a musical. I mean, yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah, a, a story about nine eleven can so easily go too far in any direction. You know, it could be too sad, it could be too gory, it could be it could drum up those memories for people in a really not productive way for you know a theatrical work but this piece had so much tasteful humor about just these these people that had never met thrown into this small space together and just the real humanity of that um so it it had a perfect balance of you know poignancy and humor and if you if any of the listeners can go see it if it's in the UK or if it's in the US, go see it because it's what was the uh, name of it again? Uh, Come from away. Come from away. Was that like yeah. um uh like a main character, like a main point of view, or how? I've not been to see too many musicals myself. I've only seen Book of Mormon and uh, Avenue oh, Q and some of the bigger ones and uh, <laughs> and but... Sweeney Todd. Um... <laughs> um, so how how did the story work in that? Did it have a main family or something like that? It had two main groups of people. The main, um, the first of which were were the sort of administrative people of Gander, Newfoundland, um, the mayor, the <clears throat> police, the one police officer, the uh, a- the SPCA person who was dealing with the animals, um, sort of the admin people of of the town, and then the other group were a core group of passengers and air airline workers that um, had you know, through lines, through storylines through the, uh, throughout the piece. So like the pilot of one of the, um, flights was talking about her husband back in Dallas and trying to find a way back to Dallas. And then there was a, a mother whose son was a firefighter in New York. So there were a couple core characters on each side that had, you know, storylines, but it really was just, you know, a sort of machine gun of, 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 stories it was really fantastically put together though that's pretty epic and when you get into that actual theater and you get everyone up and and singing and getting involved as well it's because i saw we will rock you um when i was oh nice yeah i must have been about 13 14 and one of the takeaways from that was at the end they did bohemian rhapsody and everyone got up (laughs) and was singing it and when when you're in a room with everyone else you just you do become part of it don't you and i think that's yeah it's such a nice feeling to be in that yeah Cool. So yeah, I mean, that's my that's my big whoop. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds good, man. Um, it's really interesting to know that that sort of subject matter can be done in that way. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it is all the time, but not so much that I've seen. I would like. Yeah, it's to see hard more taking, of it. like you said, it's hard taking a big 
a big tragedy. Something. Well, yeah, a tragedy yeah. like that, that, you know, and, and I, I'm here and I'm in Washington DC right now. So mm. this, this performance was at Ford's theater. Yes. The Ford's theater. So you, there are a lot of people here that lived through it in a, a very up close and personal way with the Pentagon being hit as well. Mm. I know my mom was just five blocks away when the plane hit. Um, so to see this crowd respond in the way that it did, getting up, laughing, crying together was, you know, not only was the piece incredibly well put together, well written, the music was catchy, it just had everything going for it, but to see the audience have that kind of response, especially in a place that was touched by this tragedy, it, you know, it sealed the deal for me. It was like, we are mm -hmm. all in this together as an audience. We lived through this, you know, it, it was one of the most cathartic experiences in a theater that I've ever had. Okay, I'll have to wait for that to come yeah. over into the UK. I don't, I don't think anything like that's over here yet. I know that it's going to Broadway. These are like the pre-Broadway uh, previews. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. It's only a matter of time till it blows up and goes all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so today we, we're going to be talking about audio and and Ian's a narrator, but you're also an actor, right? So you yeah, you, you're a musical actor. Is that um... I I am an opera singer by trade and training. I went to school uh, specifically for opera, um, got my bachelor's and master's in voice performance, and have ever since I was a little kid. I've wanted to voice cartoons. I've wanted to do video game voices. Like I've always secretly wanted to be a voice actor. And over the past year, I've finally had some time to devote to sort of getting that engine running. And the way that I chose to do it was to start doing audiobooks because I know several people who made the exact same transition from specifically opera to audiobooks and voiceover. So I had a lot of friends that could show me the way. Did you? Um, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I used to read comic books, and I used to read. I used to hide in my bedroom, and I used to read it out loud. So I do the different voices, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't, I'm oh, not very good at when, it, probably, but I'm guessing. Did you do a similar thing? Well, when I was a kid, um, you know, my dad would read to me pretty much every night, and if he didn't do the voices. <laughs> I would get so I would not go to sleep. I was like, "You're not doing the voice." Like when you read the, <laughs> the, I remember specifically when he would read the Disney's Lion King, sort of like gold spine, you know, short version kids book. If he didn't do the hyena voices, I was very <laughs> upset. And was he good at the hyena voices? Was that? I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. Um, it, it was good enough. It was good, it was good enough. enough. I eventually went to sleep, so it must have. I must. It must have passed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm fine. I'm doing that in a minute with uh, Peppa Pig books for my son, who's uh, nearly two. It's really hard to do a Peppa Pig voice. Uh, do you have Peppa Pig not, over in the US? I'm not US? familiar with. Are you not? Oh no, it's, it's, it's a very UK British thing, show. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's basically a family that revolves around a bitch of a little pig. And I, I say I say that with love because baby loves it. But oh my god, is that? Pig a bitch. <laughs> I, I know a few dads similar to Dan who have said similar things. Um, oh, Peppa Pig is the bane of their life, I think. She's she's the worst example of a person. She's selfish. She's whiny. She's oh, oh no. But this... kid, kids love it. So, well, well I mean, kids are selfish and whiny too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well played. <laughs> um, do you do like just a random question, Ian? Do you do like impressions and stuff? I mean, like, because when you do the you audio books and you do <laughs> like the different characters and the other stories, you really do get into character, like in such a like wholehearted way. And they, they all have different accents. You're amazing at doing the different accents, the different <laughs> like. You can do like you can do like children's voices or like older man voices. It's pretty incredible. Do you do like general impressions? Uh not like on the spot impressions. Mm. You know, like people are like, <laughs> "Oh man, do uh, yeah. Alan Rickman." I I can't. Oh, I tried to do I an Alan do, Rickman for I can hipster. Do, oh, I know you're Alan Rickman. <laughs> I can do a little bit of Alan Rickman. I can do him like just like one word. No, no, no. <laughs> but. If I try and do, <laughs> oh, he's rolling over in his grave, man. <laughs> no, no. If I if I try and like do any other words, I I, I just can't do because my hat's got my tongue in a certain way to do that. Like, how about yes? Well, it's 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 like and my voice is too high to do a true Alan Rickman because his voice was super low, but like. Yeah. It's both nasal and throaty <laughs> at the same time. It's it's so hard to do. I remember I was in an opera production where, I mean, I always goof off when I'm, it's real bad. I goof off when I'm not being, you know, directed or conducted or whatever. And, and goof, off, my, uh, goof off in the US, that means like. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> it means to just like, to be a class clown, to just like okay. make jokes and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Apologies cool. if I offended. Um, I don't know. I don't know the lingo like at all. I'm sorry. Uh, but we would just both of us would be trying to do our best Alan Rickman and just crying, laughing because neither of us could. He has but, got an incredibly deep voice. I think it's in yeah. Sweeney Todd when he he just makes some little low noises that are just. There you go. That's on the highlight reel. Do you yeah. find um what what sort of transition? How does uh you know opera training help with doing vocal work and with with voices? Is it you know sort of controlling of diaphragm? Is it tone? Is it what is it that links the two together? I think that the fact that opera singers are so focused on learning how to use the voice to be expressive and only that you know like the, a lot of people knock opera singers for not being able to act that has changed very much in recent years you know uh, uh, my undergrad training and grad training had acting classes as part of it it's like we get that we need to act now but the most important thing at the core of every opera is the voice and expressing through that. So I think that just that as a baseline of understanding that that is the goal um, and the voice is the means that they are, you know, distant cousins. You know, mm. I'm not I'm not trying to project over an orchestra in this vanishing cabinet of a of a recording booth, but um, I am trying to express with my voice specifically because they don't they don't see me you know yeah um and also the training in opera you know gives us a certain amount of stamina which is really good for narrating if i have long days of like six hours of narration i know i'll be able to do that without hurting myself because i am breathing correctly i am you know if i'm messing with my vocal apparatus um I, I have control over that and I know what I'm doing and I know how to stay within the bounds, you know, of mm -hmm. healthy vocalization without, you know, because 
sometimes I, I do really like husky voices and whispering voices and stuff like that. And I have to be, you know, really, really, really um, aware mm. that I'm not hurting myself. So that those are the two main points that that have helped this transition for myself and my friends that have done the same thing. Yeah. Should we um should we pull it into books now and, and look a bit more yeah. at sort of talking about stories? So in your experience so far, because you've done a lot of audiobook narrating and obviously you're you've done uh Luke's hipster from Out of Space book recently, which so, I'm very, so, very excited to hear. It's available, no, available so, on audible.com. Yeah, it's available <laughs> now. Um there's a the, I put a link up, it's hypeurl.co forward slash hipster audio. And um you can you download it for free. Um or just by a la carte, I think is the terminology. But um, <laughs> it's indeed, yeah, it's it's out and it's pretty pretty amazing. I have to say, Ian's work on yeah. it is pretty damn great. I'm pretty. I was pretty happy with the final product. I mean, that like, I can't wait to read two and three in the. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Trilogy, because mm. these characters are so awesome oh wacky wacky yes <laughs> wacky yeah but um in your in your experience so far of you know audiobooks and stuff because i think for me when <clears throat> when i kind of took to writing a bit more seriously a couple of years ago i still neglected the audiobook market i still didn't see that as a valuable resource but especially in the last few months i've really taken to audiobooks and commutes to work and any sort of spare seconds you've got are fantastic just for listening to stories and using that time. So as a, as a narrator is, is how do you see the audiobook scene in general, I guess? It's really been blowing up. It's, it's kind of crazy how I found myself in this business at the exact point at which it is starting to just, you know, spread like mm. audible wildfire. It, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I have my own theories as to why, but I I have been blessed with a wealth of opportunities in the short time that I've been doing this. You know, opera is is the total opposite. That there are there are like so many singers and so few jobs. Audiobooks, the audiobook business is the only business that I know of where it's the absolute opposite. There are too many opportunities and too few people narrating. It's, I don't think it's, there's too few people narrating, but there's too few people narrating who are actually. Oh, good. <laughs> not, yeah, I mean the, the efforts there and the, the passions there, but they just don't have. I don't know. They're, they're not professionals. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not. They've not been doing this for a while, like like Ian has. And um, when I listened to, I had a few <laughs> um, different uh, what auditions that people send in on ACX, and I remember going for yeah. a few, and I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good." And then I got to Ian, and I was like, "Hmm." No, this is actually good. Like, it was just so, it was like, it's such a, like a level above. It's crazy. Well, I appreciate that. That's really kind. I, I'm still learning, you know, I, so I, anything I say on here, take with a grain of salt. I've only <laughs> been doing this, you know, I have friends that have been the in the business for many years when I have just, you know, 
about two now that I've been in the business. But it's uh, the response that I'm getting from authors like Luke, again, thank you, um, has been really encouraging. Is there any um, sort of books? So do you find any certain types of books work better for audio than, than others? Well, you know, I haven't done any nonfiction narrating. Mm. I know some of my friends, ha uh, narrator friends have, and they, you know, not only is it difficult to make nonfiction, you know, biographies can be very interesting, but like nonfiction, like a textbook, it's, it's, it can be really a whole new different challenge to make that interesting. Whereas, you know, a, a, a quirky sci-fi book like mm. hipster or some of the other stuff that I've done, you get the words sort of jump off the page a little bit more. Um, so I personally don't think nonfiction lends itself to audio just because it would put me to sleep. But um, <laughs> I think that the, the, I think that the sales sort of speak for themselves. The, the one genre that sells more than any other genre in audiobooks is sci-fi. Mm. And I think that's because sci-fi and fantasy, I should lump in that category as well, usually has the most interesting characters from a vocal standpoint. You know, you have aliens, you have monsters, you have talking cats, you have, you know... <laughs> And the, the next after that is mystery um, and suspense. And that, you know, is kind of a no-brainer. If you have a narrator that knows how to build tension from a written text, like, it's like a movie. You'd be on the edge of your seat listening to a guy trying to find a murderer or 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 solve a crime, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah I found there's definitely a range of, because, um, you know, when, when I was ignorant to it, I kind of assumed that, most audiobook narrators will will be fantastic will sort of take my attention um and i've listened quite a few now a lot of stephen king ones that I've, I've worked through and obviously people that work on stephen king tend to have a very very deep very like you say suspenseful voice it's all very dark um but there has scary. been scary yeah and there have been a couple i've listened to where if the narrator isn't as sharp as they need to be it's really off-putting for the story which is a shame because you know, you can have a fantastic story and then a narrator kind of just take that edge of it, which which is a shame. But do you find that you prefer telling a certain type of story or there's a type of um, genre that you lend yourself better to? I, I definitely do think that that is, you know, the, the sci-fi subgenre of quirky sci-fi. I mean, like, I if if an author doesn't have a sense of humor, I I get bored you know mm. i it's it yeah i would say quirky sci-fi just because i'm you know in my everyday life and in my operatic life i'm the you know goofy sidekick guy you know yeah. in real life and on stage so i i have you know i i i i love to do stories that have a good sense of humor well if you, you can hear that whining in the background that's just my son he's fine <laughs> <laughs> what would be like the biggest um uh challenge when recording an audiobook because there's a lot of words i mean oh god i, I kind of um, i kind of feel like people think oh audiobook narrating i'd i'd like to cr have a crack at that but i don't really realize just read how, out loud <laughs> i don't really realize how challenging it can be it is a real challenge you know the i <clears throat> 
sometimes I just have really bad days and just trip over sentences over and over and over again and have like one line that I can't get that takes an hour to get right. So that's that's the first challenge that I, I ran into. Um, but I found that there, you know, if you do a good warm up, um, some tongue twisters, you can get past that pretty easily. The biggest challenge that I run into is just the time it takes to edit these things down. Because we can do some simple math here. Every finished hour of narration usually takes two hours to record and then another four hours to edit. So for every hour that you hear on an audiobook, for me at least, um, there has been six hours of work put into that one hour. And sometimes it's longer. Sometimes I run into problems with the audio that I need to use all these newfangled contraptions that they have to, uh, you know, take out little noises, little clicks that I didn't hear um, while recording that would be really distracting to a listener. Um, so really just the time it takes to make it pristine and professional is the big challenge. How about consistency? Because I can imagine that with you know, a 300 page book that if you start off at the beginning and you've got that energy, just keeping that, that level of, you know, inflection of momentum behind you right through to the finish. Hmm. Do you ever find that you get sort of towards the end and you go, I have to re-record that because it sounds a bit, you know, lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have run into that. I, I did a book that, uh, the, one of the, one of the worst reviews that I got was exactly saying that exact thing that like towards the end, I just sounded like I didn't want to be reading the book, which was not, couldn't get further from the truth. I had a lot of fun on this book. Um, and I was trying to go for the character at the end was like, he had gone through a lot of crap and he was tired and it was a first person narration. So I like wanted to have that. And it came across as like, this uh, guy is just bored with this book. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's that. There's definitely that that plays a plays into it. Um, that is one of the reasons that I try to do two hour sprints rather than staying in the studio for like six straight hours. Because if you don't, if I don't take a break every once in a while, um, my brain gets fried, my voice gets fried. I don't, I lose that momentum. Mm. So, do you enjoy it? Can it can be a challenge. Do you enjoy I do. It, I right? love it. Cool. I love it. I you know I get to make funny voices in a giant box like it's it's i get to be as ridiculous as evil as crazy as you know heartfelt as i can be and 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 that's my job it's really awesome knowing how much time you put into it i i do sometimes feel bad when we give you another other story and I'm, I'm, i realize that i'm giving you another chunk of work so but you're always amazing, and they're all like even Carl, the editor, always says that every time is like spotless. Like it's amazing. He he uh, loves your stuff. Well, I love his work on like the last episode, the stuff he did with Without Sin. I was mm. oh, listening. Like I I, it's very rare that I can sort of detach myself from listening to my own voice. Like you know, it's whether it's singing or narration. Like I hear it and I get critical of it, but listening to Without Sin, I was just. I don't want to be, you know, tooting my own horn, so to speak. <laughs> no, you feel free I to. Was, it was fantastic. I was riveted, but everything that he did with it just took it to the next level. So it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite episodes. That one. There's a really good um, uh, quote. One of like, what is it? Something like 
She's a harlot or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know which bit I mean? Send, yeah. send the harlot back to Gamora. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Do you find that's a bit of a different experience? Because I can imagine that a lot of the stuff that you do is, you know, playing vocals without a lot of ambiance around it. And what we're trying to do with Carl on the other stories is to make give that extra depth. So do you find that's that works well with you, or is that you know? Well, it was it was actually a ch- this is one thing that I haven't really talked with you guys about yet. When he first came, got on board, I, it was a huge challenge. I I I wished that I could have redone those first couple stories with him because when I'm just doing an audiobook or the the first, you know, other stories that that I did, I I put in all the silences to pace the story as if there were not going to be any music or yeah. any sound effects. When you add music and sound effects to the equation, you really need to readjust the pacing, and and Carl did some of that for me on Without Sin, which was brilliant. He, you know, added in some space and and made it really work with what he wanted to do with it. Um, but yeah, it was a challenge. I think I'm. I think it's getting better. It's just you know, when you have sound effects, you need to give room, allow room for that. And if there's music, you want to allow room. If you watch a movie without the soundtrack. It gets super awkward how much silence yeah. there is. It's you know? weird. Yeah, there's a whole um, website for stuff like that, isn't there? Yeah, films without uh, music. Silent and also silent music videos. Mm. Oh god, they're <laughs> creepy. You, uh, if anyone has not seen the David Bowie, Mick Jagger dancing in the street silent music video, <laughs> it Check is it one of the most. His- that's no, that's my new big whoop. Scratch, come from away. <laughs> that music video. Okay, I'll find, I'll I'll find the link after. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Got, I do have to say, like, like I don't want to toot our own horn, but like when we first started the other stories, um, we we had a certain idea of how good it would be. But every time, like, every, we've been doing it six months now, um, it just seems to be getting better and better. Like every time we do it, and I kind of feel like we're building up to something pretty special. And the last few episodes have been pretty epic. I think they're pretty amazing. Yeah, it's I, you know. When you first asked me to do the podcast, I was like, okay, why not? You know, I I didn't know where it was going to go, what kind of response it was going to get. And just watching the stats pile up has been incredible. I, I, you know, I I think the world of your guys is writing, but it was just like, whoa, this podcast is actually like, people are actually listening to it yeah you know? I, th- I think we're all massively humbled by that and you know the audience has been fantastic they still get in touch and it's yeah the reviews yeah. are just it's really you know uh, it's it's a rare experience that as a performer whether in a closet or not um <laughs> that you get a response like that so it's been really encouraging and and humbling like you said yeah uh, in terms of um financially <laughs> obviously like Podcasts don't really make money, so I mean, we will find a way to uh, pay you if, <laughs> in some way at some point. <laughs> Otherwise, but, I'm going to have to fly to the UK and break your knees. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. Well, kidding. Well, I might write a story about that. Actually. That's a really good idea. Um, but Rowling's like, come from Britain. But you, <laughs> but you make. Was he British in the story? He is, isn't he? Say again. Huh? Terry Rowling's is British, wasn't he? Terry Rowling. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, Terry Rowling's. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh but like ACX you you um so ACX for people that don't know is audio book creation exchange is that right got it got cool. it so it's a place where uh people who have published work <laughs> on on Amazon can upload their books and then 
find narrators is how how we found Ian. Um, and then uh, we you make the book, I guess, put it online, and then it all and then we did a royalty share, right? So is it fifty fifty? Yeah. I, I think I imagine. Or yeah, we we split the royalties. So there are two kinds of contracts in the audiobook world. Mm. Um, one is the royalty share contract, which is, you know, where the rights holder, whether it is the author or the publishing house and the narrator split the royalties down the middle. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean that you the cost of a book, you split that down the middle. The royalty amount is a fraction of that. Um, so it's it's a small amount that can pile up to a significant amount over time. The other kind of contract is a per finished hour contract. Mm. So you sign up for a specific amount of money per finished hour. So if you have an eight hour book or and a book that is projected to be eight hours, if it ends up being nine, you get more money, but you have a specific dollar amounts or pound or euro amount that you get per finished hour. Yeah. So I mean, so that's a lump sum, but if the book is like a bestseller, it yeah. might not, it actually might end up being less, even if it's a significant, um, chunk of change yeah economically i think it, it works quite well to do the royalty share and be, uh, just because i mean is that how long does that contract last for is it forever or indefinitely see that's perfect so if you, if you keep building on those and um every you get like a little bit of a trickle from different revenue sources and it just builds up over time it's the same way the author um business model works really over time it builds and builds yeah so as long as you don't you know <laughs> As long as you are confident in the work, yeah, that it will, you know, work well as an audiobook and sell well, then absolutely royalty shares can be very lucrative. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if someone did want to get started in this and they, they understand how challenging it is, they they understand they've got to do different voices and they've got to breathe correctly, what what would you tell them? I would tell them to just start reading the blog posts on ACX. ACX has a whole blog devoted to teaching people how to do this. They have uh, equipment recommendations, equipment reviews, uh, software information. They lay out the audit, the submission requirements very specifically. Um, it's If you go to ACX.com, you can find all the information you need from there. Right. Um, so I think I'm just about out of questions, but I mean, we've got the quick fire round at some point. Dan, we, have you got anything else you want? Questions. Um, <clears throat> I think, is, is there anyone in the business that, you know, you're aware of that you'd enjoy working with? How have you ever done much with working with other people voice wise? No, actually. Um, I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to convince my fiance to do some dual nar narrator stuff with me because I think she'd be fantastic for certain genres of books. Um, but she is resistant, um, <laughs> mainly because she's seen how I've just been like in my headphones for 12 hours <laughs> at a time. Um, <clears throat> I haven't really worked with other people narrating or voice acting yet i hope i you know i still dream of doing cartoons one day which would be so cool to have you know a round table reading of something with people just for the voice acting you know aspect of it um no i haven't had that 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 opportunity yet so i, uh, I that would be really cool i'm sure there'll so be think, like future projects from hawk and cleaver at some point like well, yeah yeah i think we're, we're leaning 
somehow that way and trying to not give away too much but yeah i think we've got ideas for projects in the future that will bounce off the success of the other stories and and we can do more with and make that bigger and better and something that hopefully people enjoy as well so hopefully you'll, yeah. you'll stick around with us for as long as hey man i'm here I'll, <laughs> I'll always be here absolutely y'all have yeah. been very 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 good to me and bringing me in on so many of these stories it's just it's been a blast yeah well, we, we honestly couldn't have done it without you <laughs> yeah um oh, looking, for, looking forward to meeting in person at some point i mean i definitely yeah. want to get over to new york next year at some point so i mean how far away is that from you is that far uh, it's or? like a two three hour train ride and i i do the trip all the time because all the auditions for opera and musical theater are, are up in new york so yeah. i have to make the trip often so yeah just let me know man and if you ever want to crash in dc yeah let's there see. will be a, yeah. a couch available <laughs> Um, should we do the quick fire round, Dan? Quickly, please. Let's do it, yep. Okay, so Ian, here's the rub. <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no. Okay. Um, uh, so we're going to like throw a lot of questions at you. You've got about five seconds to answer each one. Me and Dan oh, God, will take okay. it in turn to It's like the, the Patronus question. quiz. <laughs> oh, I, I did that today. Oh, that was, that was I took too long with some of the questions. I was like, now it's going to give me something crappy. But it yeah, The questions me... were bizarre, though. I think one of mine that came up was like, wood, rock, or earth. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I pick. <laughs> rock, <laughs> right, you found rocks in the earth? Those are the same thing. <laughs> one of the questions, it was literally who or why. And I was like, there's no option for what. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter for anyone anyone interested. My Patronus is a dolphin, so I'm happy with that. Nice. What, what, did, what did you get? I got uh, a ragdoll cat, specifically ragdoll cat. Ragdoll cat. So for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, <laughs> check out the Pottermore website where you can answer a series of questions uh, and find out which your Patronus is. Um, and yeah, just bizarre questions and you get given some weird animals and yeah. You're welcome, JK. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I did the quiz on there, which tells you which house you're in. Um, I oh got, yeah. What did you get? What would, I reckon you would be a. What's the good one? The uh, Harry Potter Gryffindor one. You'd be a Gryffindor, right? I did I... too. One of them was Gryffindor. One of them was Ravenclaw. Oh nice. Okay. I got Raven. I got Ravenclaw once, and today I redid it and got Slytherin. I, I got Slytherin as well. <laughs> it, that's probably because you're a floating head in the darkness here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for those of you who can't see me right now, I'm just a floating head. So yeah. <laughs> you're literally Voldemort on the back of Quirrell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, right, check, so... Out, check out Pottermore. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So Dan, you want to go first? Uh, yes, are you ready, Ian? I, I was born ready. Okay, <laughs> first thing you do when you wake up? Drink coffee. Uh, last thing before you go to sleep? Play games on my phone. <laughs> Worst That's advice? Horrible. Worst advice? Uh, uh, <laughs> compare, compare yourself to other people. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, what makes a good narrator? Patience. What's your pin number? No. <laughs> What's your favorite film? Oh, there are too many. Uh, the one that I keep coming back to is... No, 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 I know Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank That's Redemption. Good. Uh, favorite book? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, probably Confederacy of Dunces. Oh, I need to read that at some point. Oh, sorry. 
Or no, 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 no. Hundred years of solitude. Hundred years of solitude. Hundred years of solitude. Okay. Favorite word. Finagle. Uh, nice. Singing or dancing. Singing. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit animal. Fox. Spirit vegetable. <laughs> Brussels sprouts because they're so what? funny looking. Nice. <laughs> okay, cool. that, I think that was the toughest round of questions this time. Yeah, I yeah, think how'd I, how'd I do? Yeah, it's you, fantastic. All correct. You did really well. <laughs> ten out of ten. Just <laughs> yep. A plus. A yeah. plus. Plus plus plus. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so I think that's pretty much us for today, right, Dan? Is there anything we need to send people to or get them to do or? just typical want. just if you want to check out any of our stuff it's www.hawkandcleaver.com and you can get yourself a free book just by visiting our website and how can we find you ian you can find me on www.ian i-a-n dash just a regular dash no you know uh, yeah that uh mcewen m-c-e-u-e-n dot com <laughs> and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes uh but you should check out the hipster from outer space which is available on, on yeah Audible. yes um it's free uh, how does that work is it free if you, if you sign up right That's... it's free if you sign up for an audible membership which means that you know you pay a monthly fee and you get a certain amount of credits mm. that you can use to buy audiobooks but you can also buy it a la carte if you just want to listen to me pretend to be british for eight hours um, it's about six hours of that and two hours of him pretending to be a cat um, <laughs> <laughs> well cool. it's my payday today so I know I'm buying do it do it <laughs> cool uh, alright guys yeah um, let's, thank I'm you very gonna, much for coming out yeah thank you man thank you guys for having me it was a pleasure thank you always. for doing all that you do and putting the positive force into the world with your voice I aim to please through storytelling lovely We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.